Well, we've uh, embarked on what probably will be my last sermon series. We're going through um, passages in the Gospels, usually in encounters with Jesus of various people. Today we are going to talk about Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law from Matthew chapter 8, 14, and 15, although it's found both in Mark and Luke as well. It's only two verses long, so don't miss it. This is what it says. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. One of the things that characterized the ministry of Jesus was healing. In Matthew chapter 4, we read, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering from various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Jesus healed many different kinds of maladies and many different kinds of people. He made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. He cleansed leprosy. He stopped a hemorrhage. He restored a withered hand. He replaced a cut-off ear. Normally his healings were immediate and direct, but twice they were done in two different stages. He healed from afar. He healed people he never met. He healed unbelievers. And many of his healings were not told any of the details. The stories of Christ's healings are favorites for Christians because they show God's power and his compassion at work together. As we read the Gospels, every healing is a demonstration of God's, of Christ's compassion and his kindness. But they're also demonstrations of his sovereignty and his power over sickness and health. The scripture tells us that God is the one who cursed the earth in response to man's sin, result, resulting in many physical effects, including disease. For instance, in Deuteronomy 32:39, it is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal. And in Exodus 4.11, God says to Moses, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Ultimately, God is sovereign over everything, including sickness. Jesus could have prevented people from becoming sick in the first place. Even now, he could heal everyone in the world if he so willed. But he has a purpose for sickness. It shows people their weakness and it sets them up 
for redemption. And so when he came, he came healing. But Jesus didn't just heal the unnamed multitudes. He also healed individual people. People like Peter's mother-in-law. We have woods behind our house. And when you walk into the woods, sometimes you find tiny little wildflowers about the size of a BB. And if you hold them right up to your face, you can see something of immense beauty. But virtually no one who walks through the woods even notices these little flowers. Only someone who's looking for little things of beauty in the woods. Well, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law is such a story. A teeny, weeny, yet beautiful little story. It would be easy not to take the time to examine it and enjoy its freshness and its charm. But when you're dealing with God's handiwork, you must learn the art of appreciation. I find that the older I get, the more I appreciate things I never paid attention to when I was younger. Sunsets, flowers, people, artwork, furniture, architecture, animals, faces, trees. And this is also true about passages of scripture. Sometimes we're so impatient, so hurried, so preoccupied that we miss the beautiful little blossoms that are in scripture. I hope our examination of our passage this morning will motivate us to take time to appreciate the little things in life and in the scriptures. The healing of Peter's mother-in-law and the raising of Lazarus are the only two healing miracles in the Gospels which Jesus performed on those among his personal relationships. So this is a rare healing. Peter was married, of course. You can't have a mother-in-law if you're not married. And Peter's fisherman's hut was in the little seaside town of Capernaum. And his wife's mother lived with them. Or possibly she was visiting at the time. But on this day she was sick with a high fever. Dr. Luke tells us it wasn't just a fever, but a high fever. Usually in a situation like this, a person wouldn't visit. And if they did, the sick person would remain in the back room. But that's not what happened here. Jesus went to the sick woman. He extended himself to her. He reached out to her. He even touched her. But this was not merely an act of tender compassion. It was an act of restoration and power. This story is the third of a series of healings in Matthew 8. The first specific healings in the Gospel of Matthew. The first two were both healings of excluded people. A leper 
and then a Gentile. And in this healing of this woman, the pattern continues. Sadly, women were an excluded people group in this society. But Jesus certainly bucked that trend. Women played a very central role in his life. Of course, his story starts with an angel visiting a woman who was to be his mother. Jesus healed women. He talked with women. He publicly praised women. He interrupted journeys and conversations to give attention to women. In some ways, women were his most faithful supporters. They humbled themselves at his feet. They provided for his material needs. They wept for him at the cross when the disciples had scattered in fear. They prepared his body for burial. They were the first to visit the tomb after the Sabbath day was over. They were the first ones he revealed himself to after the resurrection. And they were the first to announce his resurrection. But Peter's wife, but Peter's wife's mother was not just a woman. She was probably an older woman and probably a widow. And in Peter's house, she was mother-in-law. It's difficult to be a woman. It's difficult to be old. It's difficult to be widowed. And it's difficult to be a mother-in-law living with your daughter and her husband. You don't want to be a burden. But Jesus loves women. Even when they're aged. And Jesus loves widows. And Jesus loves mothers-in-law. And he can turn them from burdens into blessings. Jesus also always took an interest in invisible people. People other people ignored. And he calls us to do the same in Romans chapter 12 verse 16. Don't be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Like janitors and waitresses and clerks and maids and busboys and the elderly and little children and bus drivers and trash men and the handicapped. As Alexander McLaren said, it is a lesson for all who would help their fellows that they may, must not be too dainty to lay hold of the dirtiest hand, both metaphorically and literally, if they want their sympathy to be believed. But there's more to this story than a brief demonstration of Christ's compassion and power. Every miracle that he ever does is a demonstration or a glimpse of God's redemptive purposes for which he was sent. All of the maladies Jesus heals are images or pictures of sin and misery. In this story we see the misery of a person in sin. The helplessness of a person in sin. The uselessness of a person in sin. Spiritually, a sinner is lying sick on a bed, doing no good at all. But the, that sets the stage for the Redeemer to reveal his mercy, 
His redemptive purposes. His life-giving power. And the touch of Christ is significant here. Why does Jesus touch her? Why not heal her several hours before they arrived so she could have the meal ready when they arrived? Or why didn't he just prevent her from getting sick in the first place? But you see, she would have missed something if she'd never gotten sick in the first place. She would have missed a chance to grow in her appreciation of God's power and mercy. She would have missed an opportunity to come to grips with how weak she was and how helpless. And if Jesus had not touched her, but healed her earlier, she would have missed the opportunity to see where her healing came from. And we would have missed the opportunity too. For the rest of this dear woman's life, she remembered the tender face of the Savior as he extended his transforming hand to her and lifted her up from weakness to strength. Ordinarily, after a high fever, a person is left lethargic and weak, but not here. There were no remnants or weakness from the disease. She immediately got up and began to serve Christ and his fellows. And this is an important issue for us to see. We are healed not so much for our own comfort or relief, but we are healed for service. Christ ministers to us so that we might turn and minister to him. Peter's mother-in-law does what every person should do. She uses her healing. She uses her restored strength to serve the one who healed her. Most of the city does not, of course. Most of the people who lived in Capernaum, many were healed by Jesus, but few surrendered themselves to him in faith and in service. They sought only his blessing and weren't interested in entering his service. Read Matthew 11, 20-24. And many are the same in Christ's church, sadly. They love the benefits, but that's where it stops. Our youth pastor used to refer to this as those who eat off the fat of the fellowship. Many church people love the grace and the blessing and the fellowship and the encouragement and the celebration and the special events, but aren't especially interested in becoming servants of Christ. And so they hang around the church until they stop being satisfied with the blessings, but they never become servants. Now Christ is extremely generous with his grace. He heals, he helps, he restores, he empowers. He takes the initiative as he did here for Peter's mother-in-law. But he also expects that his sowing in people's lives is going to produce fruit in them. And woe to that person who takes and takes and takes from Christ and from his church, but never gives himself back to the Lord in service. It would have been better if they had never received anything from the Lord in the first place. 
Remember the parable of the talents, which comes later in this gospel in chapter 25. The Lord gives the talents in the first place, but then he expects to get a benefit from the giving of them. Now someone might say, Oh, if only I could prepare food for Jesus, then I would do it with a good spirit and a right attitude. But remember that when you serve tables to the least of Christ's brethren, you serve Christ himself. Matthew 25. Someone else might think, but I've never been healed by the Lord. Well, if you've been saved by Christ, then you've been healed. Salvation is the greatest healing of all. In fact, ten times in the New Testament, the word for save is used for healing, including in the next chapter in Matthew 9, 21 and 22. You see, healings teach us about what Christ came to do. Like all of God's miracles, Christ's healings were not only signs of his power over creation to show and demonstrate that he was from God. They also pictured his coming as a redeemer and the redemption he came to bring. And in doing so, they send a message. They picture salvation, which is a far greater miracle than any physical healing. Jesus made the blind man see. And his blindness is a picture of his sin. Jesus made the deaf to hear and his deafness is like the spiritual deafness of sinners. He made the lame walk. Just as every kind of sickness is healed, so Jesus heals every type of sickness of soul. The worst of men have had their lives restored by Jesus. In fact, God often heals the sickest of souls so that he might be the most glorified. Jesus came to heal those who know that they're sick. Ultimately, Christ came to heal the human soul and the human body. Ever since the Garden of Eden, mankind has groaned under the grip of a sick soul and a sick body. But Christ came to turn back that curse. He will put an end to death. He will turn death into life. As we just read a few weeks ago in Revelation 21, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, or crying, or pain, for the first things have passed away. This process began when Jesus came. That's what the coming of the kingdom means. It was the inauguration of the last days, the introduction of the new creation. In the end, we will have bodies which don't grow old and don't get sick, don't get tired, and don't get hungry. There's a complete physical deliverance coming. But not today. At least not 
before 11.30 today. Even when he heals us today, it is short term, as it was for this woman. She went on and died. Got sick again. None of us is going to live in this body forever. In the same form of this body anyway. Jesus came to heal. He continues that ministry today by healing souls as well as bodies. But the process will be culminated on the last day when God's people will be fully and finally healed in body and soul, in mind, in emotions, in memories, in relationships, and in every other way. You know, there's a a passage a few chapters after this in Matthew 15 that describes Christ's healings. And I want to read it for you because it illustrates something really beautiful. And large crowds came to Jesus, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. I think this gives us a spectacular glimpse of what Christianity is all about. Hundreds, thousands, millions of people coming from all over the world to Jesus. Spiritually sick, spiritually lame, spiritually blind, spiritually deformed, spiritually ugly. And Jesus is touching them and making them whole and transforming them. And those who have been healed are escorting and carrying their friends to Jesus for this divine healing of the soul. And everyone is being healed. Everyone that is who comes to Jesus and who realizes his own sickness and deformity. Anyone who calls out to Jesus to heal him. Jesus never refuses those who call out to him. You don't have to wait in line. You don't have to fill out an application. You don't have to pay a fee. He heals you. The healing of Peter's mother-in-law gives us a glimpse of the gospel. It's like the gospel in a nutshell. People are sick and incapacitated. Jesus kindly reaches down and takes them by the hand and heals them. And then he lifts them up and strengthens them so that they're able to begin serving him and his people. The question is, where are you in this story? Where am I in this story? Are you sick and needy of Christ's healing power? You only need to ask. He will heal you. He will put your life back together again. He has done it to millions. You know, some people would actually prefer to remain sick. There is an advantage to being sick, after all. When you're sick, it gives you a great excuse not to do anything. 
than to spend your life complaining and yet still get attention and pity from others. So, many sick will not come to him. They prefer being sick. But those who recognize their sickness as for what it is and desire to be healed, they will come and he will heal. Or perhaps you are healed by the grace and power of Christ. Then get up and serve like Peter's mother-in-law. He doesn't heal you to sit. He heals you to serve. And it's not a burden to serve. It's a blessing and a privilege to serve our master. Or perhaps we are already serving Christ and his people. Then always remember the sick bed where you once laid. And that your strength is not of yourself but of the Lord. The only reason you are able to do what you're doing, to serve the Lord and to serve Christ's people, is because He touched you and He healed you and He strengthened you. So give the glory to Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this brief and simple story and for the demonstration of Christ and his compassion and his power. We thank you, O Lord, for the demonstration of our own sinfulness and weakness and misery that that, uh, we have as sinners. And we thank you, dear Lord, that you've shown that you don't necessarily leave us where we are that you can heal and Lord I'm sure there's people here this morning who not only are desperate for your healing touch but who have even given up hope of ever being healed oh Lord open their eyes to the Savior Open their eyes to the power and the goodness and the love of Christ. Lord, many have met only the ugliness and the discouraging aspects of human life. But dear Lord, we know that you are greater than the ugly depths of human corruption. That your goodness is greater than the badness of the world. And Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to see that, that we might not be pulled down by the weight of the ugliness of life, but that we might be lifted up to know Christ, to follow Christ, to serve Christ, and to wait for Christ, who one day will return and make all things new, so that the ugliness and the darkness of this world will pass away and be no more. 
And now, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of coming to the table of our Lord Jesus. And pray that we would, by your grace, meet him there. That our hearts would be eager. That our ears would be opened. That our eyes would see, by faith, the wonderful Savior who desires to meet us and extends himself to us and says, take, eat, this is my body and my blood. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.